0: It's Forlan again,
1: it is Forlan
0: again, Forlan, would you believe it, he's done it again, Diego Forlan scores in the Champions League, well what a cracker of a straightness this is, dear. rolling by Barón for Forlan, what a goal, it's becoming a regular occurrence, Diego Four. And welcome to the Manchester United podcast. I'm joined by Helen Evans as always, and of course, David May. How is everyone?
1: All good, Sam. All good.
2: Good. Thank you. Very happy for you. You've had a good week, Sam. Tell us.
1: Yeah. Passed my drive in test. Woohoo. I am officially a legal driver. Ooh. Only in an automatic? That's right, yeah. It's the only one I need to drive. Well, what happens if you break down and they actually give you a manual car or something like that? What's going to happen then? Well, that would be a mistake on their part, wouldn't it?
2: It's just going to wing it. Yeah, I could
0: get into third gear and then just sort of see what happens from there. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Have you ever, have you actually drove a, a manual car?
0: Yeah, I started lessons in a manual car and then I decided I didn't like it very much. And so I went to automatic. I don't know if this is interesting for the podcast. I booked an intensive driving course and that included the test, but I couldn't make all of the lessons, but the test was still booked. So I'd missed almost half the lessons, but my instructor was like, just take the test for experience. And I failed it, obviously, because I, I couldn't drive very well.
2: And nearly a year later, here we are. Exactly.
0: And I can drive. I just need to get a car
1: and such now, probably. Today, Willow has actually got insured now for her car. So I took her out for a lesson. How was that? Carnage. Get in an automatic, uh, it's much easier. Well, uh, we approached um, a roundabout junction <laughs> and um, she just went straight across it without looking, and her van nearly hit us, which is wonderful. <laughs> nearly- Myself, scary stuff. You
2: need to get what, yourself one of those cars with the emergency pedals.
1: I, I need to. She's actually <laughs> laughing on the set.
2: Brilliant, Maisie. You've been in Scotland this week, so you've been busy. I
1: have. I have. I've been to the Homer Golf.
2: Obviously, playing golf.
1: The Homer Golf, St Andrews, and what an unbelievable occasion that was! It was. I
2: didn't even know that you liked golf, to be honest.
1: No,
0: I'd never. I didn't know that about you. I thought you were just like a football guy.
1: You got your beer machine, and that was it. Those were your two passions. Keep it quiet. You know, I don't want to go on about it just something that i have just stuff somewhere in the locker <laughs> i love my golf
2: i do well today we have actually just recorded a podcast with the amazing diego forlan yeah. so yeah we have just recorded that sam was late to the party yeah but that's okay
0: yeah sorry i got stuck waiting for a taxi that never turned up so i then had to borrow a laptop and um yeah so it wasn't perfect but i did join in and uh spoilers he is amazing. Amazing. How can you actually
1: be late I mean just passed your test?
2: <laughs> we did mention it in the podcast. Maisie mentioned that he became a real cult hero at the club. Yes. He scored some really important, iconic goals. And it was just brilliant to hear him talk about those from his perspective.
1: Yeah, the, the love he has for the club. Do you know what I love about the, Diego is that his grandfather was a professional footballer, his dad was a professional footballer, and he became a professional footballer.
2: No pressure on his sons, is there?
1: Exactly. And the fact that possibly he could have been a tennis player I he not wanted to be a footballer. That's some accolade, to, to yeah. be fair, that you can actually become a, a, a tennis player as well. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, he, he, he spoke about the fact that he wanted to look after his family. Mm-hmm.
2: A real family man, that's, that's what you got. Yeah, Definitely. You could say that. Let's not give anything away, though. Let's hear from the man himself. Here is our long-awaited chat with Diego.
3: Hello, how are you?
2: Yes, good, thank you. It's so good to see you. We do wish we were in Uruguay, but unfortunately, we're all in Manchester. But that's okay. <laughs> okay. How are things with you?
3: Yeah, very good. Enjoying with the family. is staying at home, like... Right. All around the world, we are staying, everybody's not flying. Yes. So we have to stay home and enjoy being with the family and friends. Mm-hmm. What's the situation in uh, Uruguay, Diego? Well, it's quite well, you know. Luckily, you know, just the, the beginning, it was, I think, the 13th of March, where, we, where the president went out on the TV and said that we needed to stay home. But it was not a lockdown, you know, it was more voluntarily. Uh, those who you know who could work at home, they it was better for them to do it at home. And those who needed to to work in the office or wherever they needed to do it, they could go out, but you know just get all the precautions. And then after a month, you know everything stayed really good. And you know step by step they were opening things. And nowadays, you know, like I, I don't know, maybe three four months ago. They start the schools, uh, the restaurants. So we're having a, a normal life. Always, you have to be careful. Yeah, but it's really, it's really well. Face masks. Yeah, yeah, we have to. Yeah, when we yeah. go inside, I know if you go to a coffee shop or restaurant, whatever. If you want to go to a job or shopping mall, you know, whatever, you put the the face masks. And then, well, of course, when you are in the street, you can do it as well. But if you're walking. Alone and there's nobody around. It's no no point to use it. But uh, everybody's trying to use it. Yeah, it's something that everybody wants. It, it, the government tells that we have to use it. So yeah, we have. I have it in the car, and everywhere you go, you know. Sometimes when I go with with my father, my mother, uh, my father is law, that they are old. Uh, also with my sister, you know, uh, you have to use it. We have. We sti- we'll still will uh, still be. Uh, away from them because just to to be careful but yeah. we go to their houses and we stay there we have some lunch so sometimes we have dinner but always taking all the precautions
2: yeah how has I know you have recently departed from your role in Penarol yeah how has football been affected though um, I know that's a recent departure how has football being over the last few months? How did it affect your management having coronavirus around? Was there fans in stadium or how, how were things?
3: Yeah, Well, it was my first experience as a coach and then after a month and a half, you know, yeah. everything stopped and it was not only here, it was all, all around the world. So, uh, you know, it was not like you maybe be angry because of that. It was something that I think there, was, uh, there were other priorities and more important things about health. So we tried to keep in touch with all the players, tried to do some, you know, Zoom, you know, yeah. all together. And of course, we were all every day talking to them and they were working and doing some conditioning thing because maybe uh, at the beginning where they have to stay at home, some of them, they live in apartments and it's difficult for them to mm-hmm. go outside and run. But then as long as uh, everything was getting more normal, maybe they were more you know, going out, playing, you know, training, running. And then we start back in the 15th of June. We we get back uh, to the training. And at the beginning, it was like two, three weeks, only, you know, one player at the time. And not, not one player at the time. Yeah, there were one player with one football, you know, so we needed to divide the group. And, and it was something different, but... Everything is different since yeah. this coronavirus arrived, yeah. so you have to to adapt and, and try to do the best as you can.
2: obviously, you say that you took the job just a couple of months before the pandemic. Do you almost feel like you didn't get a good chance in your role? No, no, because at the beginning,
3: you know sometimes when you get the opportunity to be a coach or I don't know, or maybe to do some other thing, it doesn't matter, have to be, you know, in this case, it's football, but if you're taking a job. And sometimes when you get sacked, you know, for example, maybe you have the time to think about all the things that you were doing uh, that you needed to change, or maybe things that you were doing wrong. Uh, in this case, it was something that I was not sacked, you know, the, the, they stop from one day to another, the, everything. So, you know, you get, you get that time uh to think about to, to change things and then uh when everything started again you know you could have the opportunity to be still coaching the team sometimes it's different because you only think about it when when you get time and it's always when things didn't well didn't go well so in this case uh, was was good you know we we could you know have uh, different meetings with uh, with our teamwork uh, with the people and and try to get things better and and so we try to to do it that way. Mm-hmm. How, how did you find coaching from playing? Frustrating? Yeah, it's frustrating. You know, in, in my in my situation, the thing that was frustrating is like, you know, uh, think the, the team was playing well, we were creating situations, you know, chances but we didn't have the opportunity to score goals. So imagine my frustration, (laughs) like something that I always, you know, something that I was always doing, you know, in this case, uh, we were not scoring goals and, and and it was, you know, something that you cannot do anything. You know, you try to work hard during the week. And then when you're in the, in the, in the game, you know, it's something that it's up to them and and you try to change things during the game. But uh, it's, it's a moment that it's not like when we were players and, and you were there and you, of course, you are one in 10 players, but at least sometimes as a striker, you always have that opportunity to, to change yeah. a game. In this case, you can do it as well as a manager, you know, making changes and maybe making good changes or making bad changes. I don't know, depends. It depends yeah. on the players sometimes or the way you do it, you think, and maybe you, you change everything and it's, it's your mistake. But of course, it's totally different, but I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I had the opportunity to play for 21 years as a professional so I play all around the world I really enjoyed and, and when I said okay this is it you know it was something that it was not from one day to another like uh, something suddenly finished it was something that I was thinking about it you know yeah. during the, the the last few years so it's something that when I said okay you have to stop I have to retire uh, I was more Relax. I was it's something that I wanted to do you know i was I wanted another challenges and in this case being a coach is, and being on the pitch is something that I love i I really enjoyed and and it's something that I like well let's go to the not
1: the end of it but to the beginning of it
2: yeah
1: born in montevideo yeah what was your uh, what was your childhood like
3: yeah it was beautiful you know my my father you know my grandfather played my father played and my brother as well he's ten years older than me. And uh, and when you know being the youngest, uh, I was always playing on the street, you know, with the yeah. ball, always playing. My my father, when he retired, he started playing tennis. So we, all, if he were, if I was not playing football, I was playing tennis at, in the in the street with friends on the wall, hitting yeah. the ball in the wall, and also you know going with my father to a social club near near my um, my house. And I was always playing, you know, training, playing with the ball on the street, in, in every uh, little bit of grass that was on the on on every street. You know, you always try to, to play there as it was, you know, the field. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was always like this with the neighbours. Uh, and then in the school, when you have the, you know, the opportunity, you know, when, between classes, uh, you always try to play. And it was really fun. Then I was always... In our social club, it was the, the name is Carrasco Lontanis. It's just a few blocks away from, from my house. And I was always there, you know. It's always about tennis, football, sports. And I really, really enjoy it. and I have really good memories about that childhood.
2: Diego, three generations of lands as professional footballers, three generations of Copa America winners, did that put pressure on you as a child?
3: No, you know... Uh, it's no no i i just of course as uh here in Uruguay as well maybe in england it's, it's more or less the same everybody football is the, the main sport of course there uh, you have more opportunity to play other sports and maybe you have uh, you can have a career here it's more difficult most it's, it's a little bit more difficult than than other countries but being the main sport you know always everybody wants it as a kid if you what a, what a, other dreams, they would say, I want to be a football player. I want to be playing here in Europe. Or maybe in the future, going to Europe or England, Spain, Italy, Germany. It depends, you know, uh, what they like more. And and when I was growing, you know, like my father, my brother, uh, football was always it's in uh, in our DNA. So I just started to play. At the beginning was difficult. At the beginning, no. when I was uh, a child, I was good. I was scoring goals. I was playing. Uh, While I was growing up, I was a little bit, you know, was my physical physique was uh, was not as big as the other ones. So it was more difficult for me to 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 play against other people, other players, you know, the same age yeah. as me. So I was growing a little bit. You know, I was not that big. I'm not that big as well, but. At that moment, you know, between 13, 14, 15 years old, you know, sometimes those who uh, develop a little bit earlier, it's, they have a little bit more advantage. So in that moment, it was a little bit more difficult. Then uh, when I was 18, just there was a little bit better. And it was difficult here because it was like, like everybody thought that I, I didn't want to play. You know, it was like, I was... Uh, my father's son, you know, because of, I was for land here in Uruguay, so they said, no, he doesn't, he doesn't need to play, you know, he, he wants other things. But I wanted to play, so I didn't have the opportunity here in Uruguay. And I, and I talked to my mother, my father, and I went to try another opportunity there in Argentina. And then I started playing as a professional there.
2: Your father was a central defender though. Did he encourage you not to be a central defender and say, no, you need to go score goals?
3: <laughs> well, there was, you know, that's a story when in 1986, what was Jean-Marie Pfaff and, uh, and Schumacher, the, you know, both from Germany and, and from Belgium, they have that uh, equipment, you know, the T-shirt, all yellow, both of them, you know, blonde. And I was blonde as well, like them. And I don't know who, a friend of my father gave me as a present that all that equipment and i wanted to be a keeper so i wanted to be you know like <laughs> I, I was enjoying and my father was coming to me and said no you you have to be a striker <laughs> no no i want to go i want to be a keeper he said no no no. you have to be a striker you know this the, the striker he, he was a right back so he said the strikers they are the the ones who get more money so you have to be in front don't go back.
1: Don't, don't pay but to look after him <laughs>
3: Diego was it an
1: opportunity that you could have been a tennis player as well was that ever an option
3: it's not 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 like an option you know I I wanted to it's something that I really like I I really enjoy nowadays you know today you know a a couple of hours ago I was training with the kids from 17 18 19 years old that they want to get pro and still train with them you know and I really enjoy and it's more uh, more challenge training and I really like it and i i used to do it a lot you know from monday to friday the five days uh, a week uh, during the week i was doing the, the tennis uh, session and then also three days a week i was doing football but I, during the weekends when you have to compete i always i always uh, chose uh, football over tennis yeah but then there was a time i don't know 13 14 15 years old that i left football uh, and it was also uh, uh was time difficult in our family because of my sister's uh, accident and uh, and I decided to stop playing tennis and football and then I started playing football I quit football I started playing tennis and I was like wanted to play tennis then I quit tennis and I didn't want to do anything you know there was like a couple, one year that I would stay only Studying and enjoying being with my friends, and then because of a uh, friend of uh, our family, doctor that we met because of my sister's accident, he convinced me to to try for football again because my father was the general manager in Peñarol in the youngest, you know, and he said, "Okay, you have to try, you have to go, and let's see how how you you do." And I said, OK, I'm going to try. And she said, I, I, didn't, I didn't stop. So I don't know. You know no, I always liked tennis. But then if I was going to be a good player or not, there's a long road from yeah. that is difficult to know.
2: Can you tell us a little bit more for anyone who's listening about your sister's accident? I know it's something that you campaign a lot. She was in a road traffic accident. Can you, can you explain yeah. the situation for us?
3: Yeah, yeah, she was... 17 years old. The uh, a couple of days ago it was 21, 29 years, you know, that from the accident. Uh, she was 17 years old. Years old, and they went out and they came with a boyfriend from a night nightclub. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they had the accident, and she she stayed in, in in the wheelchair. Her boyfriend died in the accident, and since then, that was 1991 change everything for, for us, you know, for the family. My sister, you know, it's it's a fighter. She's always there. She had many difficult times after that as, as well. Uh, a couple of years ago as well was difficult for her. But it's, it's, um, it's something inspiring for us, you know, always there fighting, you know, always with a smile, you know, and knowing all the problems she has every day, you know, and she's always there for us, and, and you know, very positive. So we learn a lot, and you know, and, and and we are really thankful for for having having her with us uh, here, and you know, yeah. wanting to live, you know, which is which is uh, amazing because you know, if you know everything she has to do to wake up, it's it's unbelievable. And sometimes, you know, we as uh, normal people, you know, sometimes we are depressed because. I don't know uh, anything happened with us and, and we maybe sometimes we don't appreciate everything we have yeah. until you, you know it's been taken out of you.
1: The um, the foundation you, you created for uh, was also supported by
3: Diego Maradona? Yeah, yeah no he, he, he uh, we are very friend of him you know he's uh, we are not not as close now, but yeah, we have a really good relationship with him and yeah, after that when when she had the accident a couple of years after you know many people had problems, you know, and she was known uh, because of my father and because of me, everybody wanted to contact her and, and you know uh, some to talk to her because they needed some counselling and anything because the people was depressed. So at the beginning was just her and my mother talking with the people that had accidents or was having problems. And there was a time that they said, "Okay, we we need to do a foundation so we can make this more formal and and easy for the people to contact us and and more easy for us to, to help them.
2: That's incredible. So something that has not just affected her life, but affected all of your lives as a family and your outlook on life, it changes everything, your perspective of things, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, it's, everybody has problems and uh, the the problems you have they are the the most important things because you don't think, you don't know another problem, you know, maybe, of course, if you didn't uh, experience the same thing that it's experienced your close friend or something from, someone from your family, it's difficult for you to understand what it's, What are they living at that moment? So, uh, but knowing what she has to do every day, knowing the all the difficulties that she has, uh, you know, for us, for me, sometimes I know I wake up sometimes and I'm angry because of some decisions that some people made uh, against me. I understand, but you know, you try to put it in some places. Okay, past this line. I don't want it, you know. It's something that you know is still here, and I know that there are other priorities and other things more important than uh, than these than these things that maybe you can get angry with.
2: Well, very inspiring the work that you do in campaigning and that. Absolutely. Let's go back to the football, if we may, before we go any further. I do want to ask you a question. Is it true that you could have qualified to play for Ireland? Me. Yeah, I read this and I was thinking, hmm. Oh. So I thought, I'm just going no. to ask him in case.
3: No, I don't know. I read
2: that your grandfather had Irish roots and that meant that you could have been able to play.
3: Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they, I, I heard something, but no. Uh, I used to drink Guinness. How was that was <laughs> it.
2: That's your <laughs> only <the> Irish connection.
3: <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. But uh, my, yes, my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother, uh, she was from San Sebastian, so I could play for Bilbao, athletic Bilbao, yeah. you know, yeah. and that they only, only the Basque, they can play, uh, and also if I wanted to play with Spain, of course, if I, if I had the quality to play for them, yeah, maybe I, I could have that chance as well, but about the Irish, we needed to. You know, try to investigate a little bit more.
2: I think you should look into it, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's
3: yeah. a bit yeah. late now, It's 41. <laughs>
2: <laughs> never too late, never too late. No. We're yeah. just going to pause, if you don't mind, because Sam is just joining us, I think.
1: Hello Diego, I'm so sorry I'm late. <laughs> no problem. 35 minutes late.
2: 35 minutes late. I thought you would have been early now that you've passed your driving test, Sam, but...
1: I know, yeah. So you passed your driving test and you're still late. How does that work? <laughs> I
0: was waiting for a taxi. And then the taxi didn't come. So I've now borrowed someone's laptop. I don't know whose it is. And uh, I haven't got all the usual things I would have, but I am here. So that's something
2: maybe. You did not want to miss this one.
0: No, I didn't. I absolutely didn't. I couldn't have been more desperate to be here.
2: Well, welcome to the conversation. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And I'm so sorry I'm late. Uh, Diego, I'm very sorry I'm late, but I'm sure the others have been looking after you. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, of course. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
2: Diego, I'll just pick up again. I was just going to talk to you about moving to Argentina to play football. I think before that you had a small trial in France, but that didn't work out. Yeah, that was
3: in 1996 in front of my father. They... One of them, they, he played in in, uh, in Nancy. Um, it was summertime here. It was in January, so they, uh, we it was not a try. You know, it was something that experience there and play, play, enjoy. You know, the the life and the football in in, in France. So I went with a friend of mine. Uh, we have a really good time, and at the at the end, they wanted me to stay. But it was it was it was not that easy for me at that moment, you know, I was not 100% convinced. At that moment, I was still in school, studying, you know, uh, enjoying with friends. And it was, you know, it was going to be a big decision for me. And I was not 100% sure. So I just wanted to get back, you know, I, you know, it was great for me, you know, it was good that, that they wanted me to stay. But yeah, it was difficult, so I went back to Peñarol, start, uh, continue playing here in Uruguay. And two years after, you know, the the thing was a good a, a good experience for me because uh, it was almost two months that we stay in France. It's uh, well, the weather was really, you know, a lot of <laughs> snow, really cold at that moment. <laughs> and you know, we were staying in the in the train facility. It was away from the city. It was was not that good it was good but it was not you know it was tough because we were away from 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 the city so we were in a in a park in the middle of the park uh, and there was nobody and and just you know staying there for two months uh, was a big change for me so but I realized how difficult and how different was you know going away from home yeah if you wanted to be a professional football the, in the future, because being at home is easy with the family, with friends, you know, and you, you have your room, you have your family, your friends, you know, you go, you play, you go back home and you always, you know, you are always, you know, have contention with the family, with everything. But when you go away, it's it's really tough. So, two years after, when I decided to, to leave Uruguay and, and try in Argentina, I knew that what was coming, you know, in that moment. Because if I didn't have the chance uh, to go to France, maybe the that opportunity to go to Argentina and arriving there knowing that it was going to be tough, not only about football talking, about life, uh, it would have made for me more difficult and maybe, uh, maybe I, I would have failed, you know, because I didn't know what I was going to expect. Yeah. In this case, I knew a little bit more of the experience two years before and that helped me a lot when I decided to go to Argentina. and also knowing all those things it was really tough as well. Yeah. yeah,
2: you knew that you would be homesick or miss your family?
3: Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, the worst day in, in the week, it's a Sunday. The Sunday, it's it's tough and really, really difficult because, you know, the, everybody's with the family, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and and those that we are in the re- residence of the team, like we were in Argentina, uh, and you were leaving in that moment because it was Buenos Aires and most of them, they were like one hour, two hours, three hours away from, from the residence. And during the week, you know, you play the competition Saturday and then everybody left, you know, uh, everybody leave and they go to the, the homes for one hour, two hours or three hours. Uh, those who were, you know, a long way from home, was us, you know, here from Uruguay, we are like six hours uh, by by car. But I was not going to get a car in that moment, you know, cross the river and go all, all the way to Montevideo for just one day and a half. So those who were living away, like Córdoba, Rosario, some places that they were far away, we stayed there in the residence. But there was like, maybe during the week, we were like... I don't know, 30 players, 40 players. And, and during the Sunday, we were like four players wow. or three. And it was just really tough. So those Sundays, you know, when everybody was, in, and you wanted to call someone, you we, we want to do something. And they said, no, 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 I'm here with a family. Everybody was doing something. So, and I didn't want to, you know, to uh, ask anybody to put in a, in a situation that they needed to invite you, so we were staying there in the residence with the play. The only thing was good the the Sunday that the club, the the Independiente, the first team was playing in the in our home. So you know it was a game. So that day was great for us. But when they were playing away, or maybe they were playing when sometimes they play Friday or they play Saturday, and it was Friday or Saturday, it was tough because on Sunday there was nobody, nobody there in the residence. What would you do? How would you entertain yourself? Well. You know, at that moment, you know, we went Saturday, of course, we were going out uh, after the the, the games. Uh, we were trying to stay as late as possible. So we wake up you on the next day, more than <laughs> two or three o'clock in the afternoon. So I say, okay, the, the Sunday was like, it went past, you know, it's, it's all over. And we wanted to be a Monday as soon as possible. And then, you know, as, as long as you were staying there in Buenos Aires, you were getting friends and, and there's always something to do or maybe you try to stay there in the residence and, and do other things but more or less was something like that. Sometimes, sometimes when we were playing Fridays as well and I was, was going once a month to Uruguay, you know, I was going from Friday to Sunday to Uruguay so I was arriving here in Sunday night or maybe Monday in the morning uh, and, and that was it, you know, it was one weekend the calendar
2: so you you spent time at Independiente excuse my pronunciation that's good and you got off to a flying start scoring lots of goals was the aim always for you though to eventually go to Europe or were you just content playing there
3: no I was really happy there you know uh, yeah uh, you know if you want to do a career of course you try to aim Europe in that moment, maybe Mexico, you know, Brazil, Argentina as well, but it was difficult, and it's difficult here in Uruguay because you have good teams, they pay good money, but only a few clubs, and and not, and it's difficult for you to get, you know, a long career here, getting a lot of money. Some some players they 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 can they did it, uh, but there are few players, so you always it's for us it's natural, maybe for the for, it's different because he's from there, and he said, for yeah. me, you know, growing up here, it's like, I don't want to leave this place. For us, if you want to succeed and you want to survive and to do a career, and maybe, you know, when you retire, you know, to have a, a good life after that, the only way you can do it is, you know, dreaming to go to these leagues, because if not, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be difficult. So it's something that you grow up with those things, you know. Uh, it's something that you want to be a player you know you have to live mm-hmm. Did you become
1: aware of the attention of European clubs? You know you're scoring goals when did you actually become aware of teams in Europe actually watching you?
3: I arrived there in 1998 I had my debut at the end of 98. then I was in the reserve team a little bit more and I came back with the first team in 1999 maybe in 2000 uh, there was just some teams from Spain and Italy, they were talking about, you know, and they started talking about I was scoring goals. So, you know, uh, that was, of course, you always dream of uh, going to Europe. And, you know, it's not that easy. More at that time, maybe now it's a little bit, it's still difficult, but there are more opportunities in that moment. Like if you pick some foreign players, it's because they have to be good. Now, of course, they have to be good as well, but it's more easy for, to see, you know, now here in Uruguay, we have some Spanish players uh, in the South American leagues. You can see foreign players, you know. In in, in Asia, you see many English players playing away from, from England. Things that never happened before. Also, you know, English players going to Spain, to Italy, going away from England, which was difficult to see before. Uh, so in that moment, when, when they were talking about my name to go to those clubs now you in that moment you just started to realize that maybe that dream can come true but at the beginning it was like i was very respectful and saying okay yeah I, I dream to go to to europe but i know it's not that easy yeah
0: obviously this is the manchester united podcast but when you're at that age in your life and you're in those moments is La Liga the one you hope to get to because you, you can just assume it's going to be nicer weather and a, a slightly nicer climate than, say, the north of England?
3: No, no, because it changed a lot, you know. In that moment, uh, here in Uruguay, when I was young, I can tell, uh, I was like between 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Maybe there was a lot, uh, there was a Channel 5 here in Uruguay They was showing English Premier well it was not the Premier League the English yeah. League yeah. and it was always you know uh, Bundesliga as well both of them then there was another channel that was showing more the Italian League There it was the strong one in that moment and the Spanish League it was good but it was not as good as those three at that moment so maybe it was more powerful the Italian League at that moment but when I was growing up and Manchester United started to be you know the Manchester United team, and 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 you see all the games, you see the players. Uh, it was like something that you know, it, it getting in your eyes. You know, also Liverpool, the other teams, Arsenal, the, the big players that they were playing at that moment during the the nineties, and and that that changed a lot the game. You know, and the, and the opportunity. You know, a, a nice story that I, I I have in that moment nine it was uh, nineteen ninety nine when you won uh, David when you won the the, uh, trouble. Yeah. the final, with, yeah, the trouble in the in Cam No. That game, I was playing a reserve game with Independiente. So, and I was really fan of, of Manchester United. And in that moment, I was playing with the PlayStation, and and, and I was, was playing with that <laughs> team. And I had a game, you know, I was playing against estudiantes, the, the Sebas, yes. Sebas Sebas team, team. yeah. Team. yeah. I spoke, I always speak with him, you know. And uh, we have the, the game in La Plata, which is from Buenos Aires, it's just one hour away. And I said, the game was 345, it was the time that it was gonna be the final. 345 here in, in, in South America. Yeah. And I said, it can't be possible that this game is gonna be at that time. You know, I was really mad. And I said, okay, I'm gonna record the game and I I'm gonna go and play with the reserve team. And I went to play with the game. We played, we won. I remember a score ago and then when I was going back some of, some of the players that were talking about the final and I just put my headphones and said I don't <laughs> want to hear anything I just want to go back home I was alone in my apartment I rent in that moment I, I just had my professional contract so I rent an apartment and I prepared my meal you know dinner time you know myself a good dinner time and I said a hey, good meal I sat down in the sofa start watching the game And it was unbelievable uh, until now, you know, I remember, you know, I didn't want to know anything, you know, everybody was talking about the game and I was trying to not, don't know anything, you know, until the end. And when I saw the game and the way it finished everything, it was unbelievable Uh, and and good. I was good that nobody told me anything because if not, I was going straight to the the end. Uh, And it was unbelievable, but it was something that I started to see and follow Manchester United. For a couple of years before and, you know, and at that time it was, it was great.
2: So imagine then for you when you heard of the interest of Manchester United. I know you maybe had a chance to go to Middlesbrough before that, but that fell through. But what was your conversation with Sir Alex? Did you speak to him personally?
3: Yeah, the beginning, well, first of all, uh, Middlesbrough, the thing about that is that Manchester United was first because it's a big club. I remember it was, I don't know, at the end of December, uh, and I went back where uh, Macy was telling me about, you know, a place here to go and to spend time, which is Punta Eleste. It's a, a really nice place uh, on the beach. And I was on holidays, and my agent called me that Manchester United wanted to, was interested in on me. And I said, like, okay, yeah, it's good, but, Pretty you know, good. it's something that... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. You're, you're talking about 2001. You know, it was the best moment of, of, of Manchester United. I say, okay, yeah, I know I'm scoring goals, I'm doing well, but not 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 as good as to be, you know, going straight to to Manchester United. Yeah, of course, if I have to dream, yeah, I want to go, but you you have to, you know, to understand where where you're at. And he said, no, no, they are interesting. Yeah, okay, no problem. Because before that, there were other big teams. You know, talking about me, but never finished, you know, uh, never came the offer and, uh, you know, anything happened. So I said, okay, yeah, Manchester United, maybe they may be interesting, but maybe it's not going to be, you know, going through. So it's going to be one of those teams before this is going to be the same. So they start talking. I say, yeah, it was at the end of December, maybe at the beginning. And they say, we have a meeting at the beginning of January. Okay, no problem. I was on holiday with my friends. I said, yeah. It's, it's going to be difficult. And uh, they had a meeting at the beginning of January. It was good. They said, okay, we had the meeting. Yeah, they are interesting. They're talking about the money, things going like this. Okay, things are going well. Yeah, but, you know, slowly. There was not, you know, any hurry. Uh, then they had another meeting. They said, okay, things that were like talking about the contract. And, you know, at that moment for me, it was just, was Really, totally different at the beginning when when he called me, and in that moment, I don't know uh, what happened with Middlesbrough. They they knew about these these uh, meetings, and they said, and they knew all the things, uh, all the money they were talking about in that moment, and they said, okay, we want this player, we can go first, and they came first. They, sorry, they didn't come first. Before it was United because we, were start, we started talking to them. Also, in that moment, uh, they called, the Sir Alex called me uh, with my agent. They gave me the phone. Well, imagine for me, you know, I always speak English, yeah. but uh, to talk to Sir Alex Ferguson <laughs> on the phone. Scottish Did you understand people, You know, <laughs> I didn't understand. I tried to understand what it was really. You really. <laughs> just imagine all the nervous, you know, being <laughs> nervous and talking to him, and 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 I was it was really tough and and and, and you difficult for me, you know. I, I really understand, but it was tough for me to talk with him. It went well, but uh, not as as good as I wanted to <laughs> to, to to happen. And then, uh, but what happened? As Manchester United, it's Manchester United. They said, okay, we have a meeting, I don't know, 15th of January. So Middlesbrough knew about that meeting and they said, okay, we have to go at the beginning of January because uh, Manchester United is not going to change the meeting because it's Manchester United and it's, it's, it's good that they do that because mm-hmm. they know who they are. But knowing that Middlesbrough, they said, okay, we go first, we give the same amount of money and knowing all the, the the problems they they have here in South America, they are gonna say yes. So we needed to a strategy to to get the time to arrive to the fifteenth of January <laughs> in that moment. But it was difficult because you you had in that moment for me, uh, of course, Middlesbrough is a great thing. But being there on the other side, Manchester United, that they started talking to me at the beginning. First of all. Uh, it was a big, uh, a very crucial decision because you never know, you know, you can, you cannot get anything because one is coming before and they said, okay, it's now or, or never. And the other one is saying, okay, it's in 15, uh, the 15th of January, is the meeting, we are not going to change it. And I say, what am I going to do? You know, it's, I mean, the 8th of January. I have to wait for seven days? And how, how can I do it?
1: Did you speak to your dad
3: about this? Yeah, I speak with my father, my brother, you know. And he,
1: what, what was his thought on it
3: all? Well, it was, it was tough. It was a moment that at the beginning they said, OK, we have to wait for Manchester United. And there was a moment that they said, OK, we have to, to catch the first fish we have, you know. It's like, <laughs> OK, this is the first one you have to catch it. And it was me This one that moment and I said, OK, we have to wait. And uh, I was—it was, it was a, a tough decision, you know. Mm. And at the end, the, at the end, it finished everything great. But everybody's saying that maybe it's middle, it was mid and then I went to Manchester United. But nobody knows that the first. Uh, the one who was at the in the first moment was Manchester United the one who came first how hard was it
0: to do that because you've told us how when you were when you were grown up and you were in Uruguay and playing in South America you want to make that move to Europe and you know that that means probably financial security for your future and having a good life to know that the 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 bigger fish is there but it's maybe more of a risk to wait how hard is it in those days where it's where you're getting very close and you just don't know what's going to happen.
3: Imagine how hard it is that I was flying <laughs> with uh, British Airways at that moment. You know, I left Buenos Aires talking about Middlesbrough and arrive, and arrived uh, a couple of hours later uh, to Heathrow and, and going to Manchester United. But the worst thing was I remember, and I have it in my uh, as an image, I was on the flag. And I was, you know, when you, when you see the TV and you are over the Atlantic Ocean and you say, and I was with a friend of mine who was working with my agent and I said, Walter, where are we going to? Because at the moment, I don't know if we are going to Midlerville or we are going to Manchester United. And he said, relax, go to sleep, that when we arrive to Hiro, we will know where to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. That
3: brilliant.
1: That was brilliant. No, it was unbelievable. Well,
3: what did crazy. it feel
1: like when it was
0: finally confirmed and you signed the contract and you knew, like, this is it? It's happening. It's definitely happening.
3: Well, it was now. It's difficult to describe. Uh, uh, for us being away, okay, knowing the history, but not knowing how it's everything there. Uh, when you arrive, everything's new. Uh, the stadium, and the, the next day we went to the to the game. And see everything that you were watching on TV, see the players, you know, uh, and uh, the big players. Like I'm telling, you know, now, you know, the kids and uh, some of my nephews, uh, when they're talking about Manchester United, they're still big. But now, as you are not getting, you know, uh, playing like for for the Champions League final like they were playing before or winning those titles like that we were winning many years ago. Uh, they don't know how was Manchester United at that moment and I'm saying Manchester United you know is the bigger club is the one that is always at front from everything you know everything you see in marketing uh, Manchester United is always the first you know the one that goes to America it, it was it was the first and the one who goes to Asia is the first it, it was always the first and everything they do they're always uh, at front and uh, you see now real madrid barcelona they do that but they're they always in behind and I, and i was saying that moment the, the, what the thing you see about now real madrid and barcelona that they all the players they are there still and i'm not saying manchester united they don't have a, a great squad they, they do but of course now everything is looking there because it was at the moment was cristiano there in madrid and, and also was messi uh, like it's now in, in Barcelona, so all this spotlight, they, they have everything there. And I'm saying to my nephew, some friends, and said Manchester United was in that moment was Real Madrid Barcelona, but it was only one team with all the best players.
0: So what was training like when you had to turn up and do training with everybody?
3: Oh, I know. Uh, one of the toughest guys was Macy. No. <laughs> 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 no, it was good. You know, all, all the guys. Something that was good for me and maybe amazing can tell is that knowing the language, it was easy for me. You know, it was not, a, yeah. you know, it was not difficult. So I could speak with them. Uh, I could, you know, everything, everything I needed. There was always great guys. Uh, they they were helping me, you know, I was 22 years old. Uh was Sebastian there as well, but Seba didn't speak English, so I was his son's translator. I arrived later. <laughs> yeah. and I was always translating him. Then I, I translate Cleverson, Cristiano Ronaldo. But I always said the same, you know, all that problem I had in, no problem, but all those difficult difficulties I had in, in Argentina when I left and about the Sundays and everything, I didn't have that problem in, in England because going there and seeing on the TV and knowing English, it was a big advantage for me in life and in football. So, you know, the, the thing that was difficult at the beginning is like arriving to the dressing room and seeing you know those those players like you were watching them and now you're you know they were your teammates you know it was it was really tough Maisie
0: what do you remember about Diego's first training sessions because presumably as a defender when the club sign a new forward you're thinking well let's see what you've got let's see if you can beat me
1: yeah I think I think whenever any player comes into the squad you get tested very early most days most mornings you start off with a with a box ten by ten. And the first thing you do is start rattling balls at the players to see if the first touch is good and whether they've got character. And Diego had that. And I think one thing he says which makes it so much easier is the language barrier. You know, with, with, with Sever and... Um, because I remember um, Carlos used, used to complain about the Spanish lads being together, but that's because of the language. Yeah. Because Diego and Quinto both could speak English. Well, Sever, eventually, you know, he learned the language and it was great. But Diego, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Mason Greenwood. The fact that he can it with his left foot or with his right foot, it doesn't matter. So he was always one of those awkward ones. You show him his right, you show him his left. But you knew when he, when he turned up at the club what we'd signed. And he was a top, top player that, you know, was uh, an integral part of United winning, winning the title
2: what what was what kind of character were you in the dressing room in those early days Diego were you quite shy or were you outgoing um yeah
3: I, I, of course I'm, I'm 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 very respectful you know it's it's uh you know I was there the language was not a barrier like Maisie said, and that was something good you know if they were talking to me, I was talking to them with no problem uh but I respect you know. You know, each player, you know, was not, yeah, if I, there was something that they were asking me or maybe during the pitch, during the training, yeah, it was okay. You know, as the trains were coming and you were getting more confident with, with the ball, with them, because it was a different speed. It was difficult. At the beginning, it was not that easy uh, because, you, you know, you, the English uh, football is really quick. Uh, as well as spanish one so you come coming here from south america with a different kind of uh, speed and arriving there with so big players like Macy said when you you were when you were in the box you know it was not it was not that easy you know getting the ball <laughs> and getting the first touch it was really quick so as the training were coming and you were feeling more uh, confident you know it was yeah. easy and uh, and during the dressing room yeah it was okay you know it was sometimes maybe I, I'm not at that moment uh, I was not going to do any joke maybe a couple of <laughs> uh, months and maybe maybe at the beginning the first year or not but then as long as I was getting a little bit more uh, comfortable maybe yeah I like to do jokes but uh, at the moment at the beginning yeah I was very respectful and I'm very respectful and, and I know which where's my place and, and where where I can talk when I can talk and and, and where. Speaking
0: about training, is it true that Oli told you you're one of the hardest training teammates he ever had? <laughs>
3: uh, he he said yeah when, because one of the whenever I arrived there you know as as I was and I, I still tell till now you know sometimes when I have the opportunity to do some some talks with people here with different, you know, uh, companies. I always tell them, you know, my experience at the beginning there in at in, in Manchester because, you know, I always had a good technique with the ball. But at that moment, uh, my control with the ball was not as good as, as it was after one year at Manchester. At the beginning, it was really quick and I was having a, a tough time. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe realise or not but in that moment, I said, "Okay, if I want to survive here with this kind of teammates I have around, uh, the way I arrive is not going to give me the opportunity to be here and uh, and to score goals and, and be the player that I I know I can be. I need to train hard. I need to do things. And I don't know if they're still there, Macy. But I remember, the, you know, the pitch that was with the with all these uh, walls, you know, yeah. on the side. Yeah, yeah." And I was always getting the uh, a big bag of balls. Finish after finishing the training, and I was there, you know, hitting the ball on the wall, uh, having you know reception control and, and and trying to hit the on target and try to survive in that moment, which is, was really difficult for me. And one day, you know, Oli came to me and said, "I never, you know," he said to me, "I trained really hard." He said, "But I never saw someone that." can train more than me he said (laughs) and you know I was really happy because of that
2: that's nice your first season what did you feel how did you feel like your first season went at the club
3: well that's something that I always try to clear up you know because they were saying like you know I don't know for six months I didn't score a goal you know it's always that and uh, during my career my average was two games one goal so it was quite good. Mm-hmm. And, and and it counts the time I was at Manchester United. But the thing that uh, journalists, you know, they are very, you know, uh, they like all the headlines and everything and put more the bad things than the good ones. And if you see the first six, it was not six months because I arrived in January and, and the league finished in, yeah. in May, at the beginning of May. So it was not six months. But of course, they have to put a little bit you know, bigger to, to get a, a bigger headline and reaction. But the thing that that was difficult for me at the beginning is that the team was really good, was great players. So I didn't have the opportunity to arrive to a team and and get the full 90 minutes. So my to to adapt to that kind of level speed. And, and and the kind of team that was at that moment was more difficult for me because not only because I was coming from South America, which was a different level of competition, also I was coming to a big, uh, one of the biggest league, I think that moment I think was the biggest one, the, the strong one. Uh, and the team was the best one. And uh, so when I arrived there, my the opportunity I had to play at the beginning was five, ten. it was like that during I don't know maybe for I don't remember how many how many games, but it was more more or less like that, maybe sometimes it was 20 minutes. so mm-hmm. it's difficult for you to have that yeah. you know to, to adapt really well and mm-hmm. quick in, in, in a level higher than the one that you were before and uh, and when you don't have those minutes to to play and to prove yourself not prove to the people prove to yourself you know to see how good you are and, and 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 you know it's always when you prove sometimes you do it well sometimes you do it bad but you know that when you do it bad you try to learn about those those errors but i didn't have the opportunity to have those errors because you know i didn't have those minutes that i the, the minutes that i need that i that every player needs of course it's it's not like I'm saying, okay, I needed those minutes. No, there was great players and I, I needed to to wait for my moment. And in that, in that beginning, it was tough because I was playing, like I said, five, 10, 15 and opportunities. Sometimes, yeah, you can score goals, of course, but it was not like they said, you know, six months. It was like, yeah, a couple of games, you know. And, and then when, when I had the preseason that we went with, with the club and I score goals during the preseason, then the, the league started and start a goal. It's something that was more normal because you had the opportunity to play, to play for 90 minutes, and then maybe you play the next game. It was something like that It happened with me in Villarreal. When I left United and I went to Villarreal, as soon as I left, I went straight to the team to play 90 minutes. In that game, I scored a goal. Then I played another game, I scored another goal. <laughs> then maybe you don't score a goal, but you still have those 90 minutes, and, and maybe you know you have another game. In this case, it was difficult. So, I tried, uh, you needed to adapt in a place that was really tough because they were the best players in the world and playing in the best league with, with a great team. And it was tough for you to get that opportunity. So, at the beginning, it was tough because of that, but it was not like six months, it was like no. a couple of games. You know and maybe I don't know. Maybe if you count all those minutes I was getting on the pitch, yeah, maybe you can say six, yeah. seven, eight games without a goal. Maybe, you, but then the average is always two games and one goal. But at the moment, you know, in this every time they talk, yeah, you say you were six months without scoring a goal. Okay, no problem. Can
1: you remember your first goal for United?
3: Yeah, the one uh, with the penalty. Yeah, and Bex hands you the ball. Yeah, what, what's going through your mind there then? I don't know, but I, you know, now if I, I remember, you know, I, I can see you on the bench when they see the, the images and you say, uh, and uh, and, uh, and now when you see things that you've done uh, during your professional career, that was a big, that was a big situation, you know, tough situation because, you know, like, Bex gave me something, you know, that was uh, great, uh, very good from him. Yeah but at the moment now if you think about it it was really heavy because it's something okay I was not scoring a goal yeah. and now Bex give me the ball <laughs> it's like saying okay you have to score the goal because <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> no pressure
3: everything it was really tough you know now if you think about it you say oh my god you know it's like yeah I have to score if I, if I don't score the goal it's like ah yeah, you're not good you know it's yeah. uh, you know, but now that you think about it, you know, it's it was tough at that moment. But at that moment I was, you know, hundred percent, you know, concentrate and trying to knowing that not that how heavy it was in that moment, but knowing that I needed to score the goal, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was not that, that easy, like everybody said, Okay, it's a penalty score the goal and you're gonna make the debut. You know, know. It was it was tougher than that. But it went in. Yeah, of
0: course. Did you feel like that did you feel like there was pressure on you to score? Because from a fan's perspective, like I remember when you signed and when you were playing, and I loved it when you were on the pitch regardless of goals because your your output as a player, you were like you were so fun to watch because you were full of action, you were you were running and tackling and jumping and a, and there was just stuff happening whenever you were on the pitch. So the goals didn't matter to me as a fan because the team was always winning anyway. But for you personally, I guess once you did score that must have felt like a weight lifted, and
3: then once yeah. you scored, you couldn't stop. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, I scored a goal, it was, I don't know, it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, and the Champions League game, and in the and the next game, the Premier League against Aston Villa, yeah. I, don't, I, I think I went on the pitch, or I don't know if I played the, the full 90 minutes at the moment, and I scored a great goal with, uh, I think it was Mikel Silvestre, he crossed the ball, and with the head, I score a goal, and then I start scoring goals. And Yeah, it was it was easy for me, and and, and it was like in the World Cup, you know, it's I, you can feel that moment, uh, and, and in myself as a striker, you know, in the, in 2010, you know, I could hit the ball from from midfield that I know that the ball the ball was going in. Don't tell me how when I I won the two times I won the the golden boot in the European golden boot. Happened the same. I started the league, score goals. Yeah, I was there at the beginning. They were talking about the To, the uh, Villa. I don't remember now. The other one was there, but more, more or less, b- both of them. And they said, yeah, who's gonna win the Pichichi in Spain, and who's gonna be, who's gonna win the European Golden Ball? And I was behind. But at the beginning, when I, when I was starting, score goal, it was like imagine I was scoring, I scoring that. In two thousand eight, two thousand and nine, when I won the second European Golden Good, I scored, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in eight games in a row, I think I scored thirteen goals or twelve goals. You know, so I had that and, and when like like you said, you know, that weightlifting I I yeah. took from myself, yeah, I could feel it, you know. And I could feel it as well during my career, like I said, in the World Cup. In other places, you know, sometimes it was tough for me. Don't tell me why to score a goal. And when I hit the net once, you know, I could score more. You know, easily I could score. It was difficult before. Maybe it was really easy for me uh, the day after. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. The goal against Southampton. You
1: remember it? You got a little smirk on your face. Yeah. Yeah. Can you remember those horrible shirts we wore? <laughs> yeah. What's me? And and for about the next ten or fifteen minutes, you're running around with a
3: shirt in your hand because you can't get the shirt back on. No, what's that mean? You know? Yeah, because it was a long sleeve. Yeah. And and during uh, uh, you know um, down, it was another long sleeve. Yeah. And it was wet, so you know, <laughs> when I scored that goal, it was a beautiful goal. Uh, and it was at the end of the game. And I took my shirt off and started running and there was no yellow card. <laughs> uh, I knew at that moment when I was going back, I said, now how am going to put that shirt again? <laughs> they were a nightmare. I knew that it was going to be, you know, with a long sleeve, it's going to be, I don't know, all night.
2: Like,
3: you know, Twisted. very, you know, yeah. And uh, Albert was trying, you know, he was like, <laughs> and I remember it was BT on, on Southampton. And and the game started again, and the, and the referee said, "Okay, you have to go out, of course." And and, and I was there, you know, with the shirt, and, and I saw that that the ball, you know, was uh, BT was going past with the ball, and I went from behind, to the ball, give it to Fabian, <laughs> and everybody started shouting. It was video And nowadays, you know, I. I tell my friends, you know, and people, because you always, you know, you get through the years and you forget things and say, okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm the only player who played for only 15 <laughs> seconds in the Premier League with no shirt, you know? <laughs> I had the
0: DVD of that season review and of like the official Man United one. And that showed, I think, more highlights of you playing that pass without a shirt on than it did of the goal. It was unbelievable.
3: But, you know, funny thing was, we play against Liverpool, in the the semi-final for the European Europa League in 2010 when we won it against Fulham. And we went to Anfield and I was in the dressing room and I was watching, you know, like waiting for for going to the warm-up. And when we arrived to the dressing room, I went in one column that they have in the middle of the dressing room in that moment and there was a picture of me without the shirt. And I was like... What and <laughs> and they they were saying don't take your shirt off you're going to get yellow card
2: <laughs> brilliant brilliant the fun. was that a celebration that you had done before in argentina or as a child or was it just lots of pressure and you just in that moment felt that's what i'm going to do ah uh, it, it's it's
3: everybody you know when when they always try to tell to to tell them what do I feel in in in, uh, in that moment when I scored the goal and said so it's so I'm so happy in that moment that it's I don't know it's difficult to to tell you know how to if you don't live that moment and maybe yeah. also when you are uh, at home playing with sixty thousand people or maybe when you are away playing against sixty thousand people you know it's so happy and you know in that moment you can see the people are shouting happy. Like you scored the goal, or maybe shouting at you because they are really angry you scored the goal. So it's difficult to 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 tell them uh, the way you feel at that moment. And the way I took my shirt off, is, is, it was not it was not in, uh, at every goal, but it was more you know like uh, uh, when you were as a child and when I was uh, playing on the street and you score, and you were watching, I don't know, I was always watching, you know, English the, the English League or the Italian League, and you were watching great players' uh, final or, or watching the, the the World Cup, and you see a game that it was, uh, they they changed the game at, at the last minute, and the guy who scored the goal, he took his shirt off and started shouting and, you know, celebrating. And it was like, and you go back to the street with your friends and you try to imitate the same thing they yeah. happen well when I had the opportunity and they said there's no yellow card for those players who take the shirt off okay I'm going to do it <laughs> <laughs> it's only for a
2: while that is the reason why so many Manchester United fans loved you they loved your celebrations they loved your hard work did you feel close to the fans very early on in your Manchester United career? yeah
3: I, I, I yeah they always supported me really well. And like I said at the beginning that I was not scoring goals uh, and I was always trying hard. Uh, they like adopted me, you know, I, I don't yeah, know. Of course. And I don't know how to say that word. Maybe you have a better word. And, and maybe because of that, then when I started scoring goals, they were more. And I scored in, in Anfield as well. That was an important game. And scoring those two goals. So it was, it was really good and till now, you know, when I left United, I was in Villarreal, I think it was 2005 and we were with my brother watching uh, Manchester United-Liverpool and they stopped singing my name, um, singing my song. Yeah. And we were like surprised, you know, like I said. Right? Do you know how it goes? Uh, how it goes, the, the, the song? Yeah, do you
0: know the words of the song? Yeah, yeah, of course,
3: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I we'd was, love to hear it. No, I'm not a good singer. I'm
2: no. not a good singer. Sam, you are.
3: But you know that I was really surprised, you know, and still now, and I'm very uh, close friend with Andy Meaton, and we still talk about yeah. him. And Andy, you know, uh, we all we said that we are going to do it now. Maybe we can do it at the moment. Now it's difficult, but now that I'm available at the moment and I'm not coaching, we wanted to uh, disguise and and go to the to the supporters oh, and to, yeah. to, to see how it's going to be a, a a derby like this uh, but with the fans in the middle without them knowing that it's me you know uh, and we always uh, talk to, to do it maybe in the future we can do it but I was I was really surprised also the other day I, I had the opportunity to be with Mourinho uh, in some FIFA event and we were laughing at when when he was when yes, he didn't United know the them. song, yeah, yeah. And he said, "Which?" I game. think
2: he asked Michael Carrick. What? Yeah. yeah,
3: and he was saying, "Yeah, Diego, Diego," but he played "Like many <laughs> years ago, why?" <laughs> it was really, really, really fun.
2: Fantastic song,
1: Diego. You, that game where you scored two goals against Liverpool—that's that actually cemented you as an absolute cult hero. Yeah. with all the United fans. Did you actually understand or did you know before before you joined United the history between United and Liverpool and the hatred?
3: No, no. no I, I knew a little bit. A little bit. But being a long way uh, from there, you know, it's difficult to understand. Of course, you can know, understand a little bit and all the hatred as well and, and, and the history and all the games they play. Uh, but... I didn't know at the at the end of that game Gary Gary came to me and said, You don't know what you have done you know in the future you will you will understand, and it's true you know until now you can see the goals, you can see the people talking about and every, everywhere I go and you see a united fan he's gonna he's gonna tell you about you know uh, those goals you, you score against Liverpool you know those words like that they they always repeat. It every time because the
0: song doesn't even just get saved for Liverpool there are games during the season when that song
3: is sung yeah that's why you know I'm really surprised really happy you know you know having it's a club that has so 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 much history with so great players and and you know there were so so many players they 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 play there, and they are gonna still play, in, you know. And and you and they sometimes they sing my song. I don't know, you know. You have to be. It's a, It's really. I'm really proud, you know. It's. I'm really proud, thankful. I don't know. It's so many words you, you can say that they can still sing that song. It's it's unbelievable, uh, you know. In the future, now with my kids, now of course they are really babies, but uh, in the future, I've had, if I have the opportunity and I'm in the state and they sing that my song. You know, imagine what wow. what I can feel in that moment, and maybe they will understand what uh, what is happening.
2: Diego, I'm sure when you when people ask about your Manchester United career, I'm sure they bring up like us, Liverpool goals, Chelsea goals, Southampton. But for you, did you have a personal favorite?
3: Yeah, of course. It's it's like when they ask. They asked me during my career which are your favorite goals, and it's difficult to say. Okay, there's the ones you score as a goals, how beautiful they were, and also the ones that they were really important. Like at Anfield, were really important goals. The yeah. second one was really nice. The first one was a mistake, and I, you know, I was there and I, I read it really well, and I pushed the ball. Sometimes when you push the ball, sometimes you, you put it away from the net. But this game was good. The second one was good as well, but it was not those uh, those goals I used to score uh, that were better. One goal I remember really well. I don't know if you remember, but it was a great goal, and uh, against uh, Glasgow, Glasgow Rangers uh, Yeah. a little tougher. A volley, a hat was a bit, was really really nice. A really nice uh, volley I scored. Beautiful. The one, then there was the, the other two goals I scored against Aston Villa. Uh, I remember that time uh, I was scoring goals. I was in a good row. And I remember that Sir Alex came to me. I was playing alongside Ruth And I was scoring uh, a lot of goals in that moment. And uh, Sir Alex came to me and said that uh, Ruth he preferred to play on, on his own. So that I was going to be on the bench. Okay, no problem. Okay. I was not that happy. I was more angry because I was going ball. And I went on the pitch. I remember Ray King, uh, Kino, came to me and he knew that I was angry. And, uh, and the gaffer put me the last 15 minutes. And I went on the pitch. I think we were 2-0 up. And I got the ball. And I was so angry trying to hit the ball that I remember Cristiano Ronaldo was on the side and I was getting the ball. I fell down with the ball. I got up, went around trying to see a way to hit the ball, and I hit it with the left. It was a great strike and put it on the top corner. And then a second one that Cleverson gave it to me with the back heel. I controlled the ball. I don't, I don't remember the movement now well, and I tried to... to I, I hit it. I, I controlled the ball. I don't know, went back from, from here. I turned around, the guy didn't know what to do, the defender, he fell down and I scored with the left on the other side. It was really nice. Those three goals were really, really nice. Southampton ball was great. One was really, really nice as well. But I think the one against Klaueva Ranger, I think it was the one I, I I can tell I think it's the best, the best one.
2: Your favourite.
3: If you're
0: listening and you haven't seen it, go on YouTube. It is absolutely glorious. Um, Diego, there are loads of people that have played for Manchester United and had great success at Manchester United and hugely successful football careers. And there are those that come to Manchester United and connect with Manchester United. And they might not be there very long and some of them are there their whole careers. But there are a group of people like Maisie earlier that become like cult icons to a football club with a huge history why do you think you fell into that category? Because there is no doubt that when Manchester United fans are asked to name their players, you will always be a, a name that comes up.
3: First of all, if it's, if it's like that, you know, I'm very grateful.
0: It's yeah. definitely like that.
3: No, no, it's, it's, a, it's like you said, being, you know, going there are so many great players uh, in, in the history and you know, still singing the song. And, and like you said, you know, you're you, both, everybody of you, of you live there and, and you can feel it that way. For me, it's it's unbelievable. You know, I'm really grateful. And I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. You know, uh, it's difficult for me to say why. Maybe we have to ask for some of the supporters yeah. and say why it's, it's that way. You know, I can say that I'm very grateful because uh, it's a big club, really, really big. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, there were so many players there that, play for that team they win, They won so many things they're still great players and they will be more great players and and you know have a little bit of tiny space there for them to remember me I don't know it's it's more than it's more than a, it's more than, a, than I can ask
0: well I don't think he came from Uruguay he made the scouts cry it will ever end
3: <laughs> that's great you know I, I would I would try to go there you know and to go to uh these kind of derbies and, uh, and try to live it in that way. You know, I would, I would try when this, all this coronavirus maybe we hopefully stop in the future and I had the opportunity I would love to and maybe of course with the family I would love uh, to have a tour and to show them everything uh, where I have so great memories. Diego, what are your goals against?
1: I think it was against Chelsea. You get the ball off Seba yeah. and you lash it into the top corner. And then you run to the crowd, into the corner, the family stand. Who do you jump on? Uh,
3: no, no, I, I didn't jump on nobody. I went running and there was uh, the, the security. That yeah. I, I was always, I, I jumped. And yeah. when I jumped from the corner, from the corner kick, you know, I, I, I was, uh, top, uh, sorry, the corner there. I jumped and I fall. Just on the on the on this path, that it was on, near the the security. But I went there because it's uh, where the family stand. Did you not take your shirt off and throw it into the crowd and then? No, no. Yeah, I remember that. No, no, no. I I didn't throw my shirt there. I always had my shirt with me. I don't. I don't. Remember. Maybe I throw it. I don't remember if I throw it and it went on the floor, but. I, I never throw it to the to the crowd because right, okay. I knew that if I throw the my T-shirt to the crowd, in this case, was well, the family stand. But if it was, you know, where the supporters, it, it may be difficult for them to to give yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay.
2: Uh, Diego, I just want to ask you about. We won't keep you too much longer, by the way, because I know okay. you have three small children.
3: And it's. it's Maybe it's coming one
2: more. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs>
3: Thank you.
2: Crazy man. <laughs> Three is enough. Three is enough for me. I have, I have time. I have time. <laughs> Diego, I just want to ask you about competition. You mentioned there, you know, Sir Alex said you were on the bench at stages and Rude played up front. You had competition with Ollie. Did that eventually lead to your decision to leave the club? Because you thought, maybe I will never... Be number one alongside the other players? No, no.
3: I knew, I knew it was difficult. You know, uh, they, they, they were great players, and in that moment, I was scoring goals. I was doing really well, uh, but I knew that in that moment, I wanted to play more games. You know, I was playing. We were, United was playing sixty games. Maybe I was playing twenty five games, but not, not. The most important games. I was playing. There was a moment always between December and January and February that maybe there were a lot of injuries, and I was having more more um, space there to play, which happened, and where I had the opportunity to play more games. But I wanted, you know, more. And in that moment, I really was enjoying my time. I knew I could stay for. In that when I left, I had contract for two years or three years more and everybody was happy with me, the fans, the people the coach, Gafa uh, I was doing well, I was scoring goals when I had the opportunity, you know, my average was always two games one. I was getting rhythm, you know but there was something in me like I said, I wanted more mm-hmm. and I knew it was it was difficult there it's not like I didn't want the challenge yeah, I wanted, but I knew that in that moment you know uh, the way the team was the players I think okay sometimes you don't have that space maybe you need to go other place. and it came Villarreal that moment before came Levante and I didn't want to go because I knew that it was not a a good place for me to go and a couple of weeks after came Villarreal and I knew the team I knew the players and said okay it was uh, a good place for me to go and, and, and try uh, and get another challenge uh, and try to see and prove myself uh, that I can be a, the leading striker, you know. So um, that's why I, I I decided to leave and and try in another place. But you did leave as a Premier League champion. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had the opportunity. Yeah, also the FA Cup, the Premier League, uh, and then we well community shield we I think was two community shield we won, and we lost. Uh, in that moment was the calling Cup. We won. We lost against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Then we had a good run, and we lost. Uh, we pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, we take it away. <laughs> yeah, we take that away. <laughs> what was uh, what was what was winning those trophies like? That was great. The Premier League was great. You know, we when I arrived, uh, Arsenal won in two thousand two that they beat us uh, at home. I played that game the full 90 minutes, I remember. It was a tough game. They they, they they had a good team. And the next season, we we needed to to get back on track. And, and we had the opportunity to win that trophy. And not only because of winning that trophy, but which is really good. Also, as a player and my character, you know, the way I, I always be, you know, being involved in that because at the beginning, those five months that when I arrived, the, it was more than the middle of the season. It was more difficult. Yeah, of course, I was involved in the team, but it was, it was, a, it was a different situation. Now, beginning with them, the training, the, the pre-season, the training, traveling, and, you know, being more part of the, of the squad, scoring goals, scoring important goals, and then at the end of the season, winning the trophy, you know, was yeah. something that you, you were part of the team you know where's your medal i have it no way i still have you know what i still have that my wife is it's fine because i'm not the kind of guy that have many things in the house you know i, I have a couple of things if you come to my house you you're not going to see a room full of football things or yeah. t-shirts you know? i have all my t-shirts in my mother house that she mm-hmm. wants me to give it to me Imagine how many we have. Yeah. And she said, when are you going to get all the t-shirts? I said, no, no, stay, <laughs> leave it there. Because if not, I have to put, I have to put you know, to get room here, which is, I, I don't want to. And, no. uh, and my, I still have, uh, you know, the, the bottles of the Premier yeah. League and yeah. also of the FA Cup. Beautiful. Wow. And Beautiful. didn't open. It's closed. Wow. They are closed.
2: But when your your children get a little bit older, maybe you can move it from your mother's house to your house because they would yeah probably like to try on the tops and wear the yeah, medals. Course, yeah,
3: it, I think I'm gonna do it in that in that moment because of course in the future they are gonna the the uh, the two boys also maybe the girl as well they want to try those shirts. And I said, okay, now you can use it. But now, at the moment, I'm not gonna have a room full of shirts. I don't know how many shirts I can. I have. <laughs> I have so many shirts, good ones, that I prefer, you know, to keep it there, you know, yeah. on my mother's house at the moment. And then in the future, we we'll see. Just make sure you don't give them the shirt that you could
1: never get on. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Did <laughs> <laughs> it happen to you, uh, happened? Uh, Diego? the are a It wasn't too bad because mine was short sleeved. Yours got twisted down the arm and everything. There was, there was a nightmare. <laughs> Whoever came yes, up with that dear. idea, I have no idea. They <laughs> yeah, were sure. carnage. Diego, speaking of uh, no. getting
0: stuck with shirts, our producer Matt can share his screen with us all, and we can watch your celebration against Chelsea, where you do, where you sort of dither about throwing your shirt. Yeah. Here we go. Talk
3: us through it. Seba. Yeah, with well, Seba eh? I think Seba. You know, when he hit, when he get that pass, it for scores, not for me. Chelsea <laughs> giving the ball away in their own half, and they're going to pay a price for
0: it. They are! And Diego Forlan has beaten Chelsea again.
3: Well, talk about a late show Old Trafford. Don't leave this ground early, you might miss something.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, right, so you don't, you just jump into the crowd. Yeah, I jump into the crowd. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's a great finish.
1: Great finish. Yeah, you're not stopping that, are you? But <laughs>
3: Diego, that was a beauty about you. What foot naturally are you? Left or right? No, I'm right. I'm right. But the thing is that during my career, I scored, I think I scored better goals with the left than with the, with the right. And it was unbelievable. Also because I'm, I'm right foot, when I uh, put my my feet you know my foot sorry yeah and when i try to hit with the left it's like because i'm right i'm more strong with you know and how do you say when you put the you, put, you, you plant your foot down yeah yeah you plant yeah. your foot down with the right because being right you get more powerful so i can hit strong with the left and i don't know why with the left i can hit it more like this i don't know with part of the of, yeah yeah with your laces yeah yeah. And with the right, it's more tough for me to do it. I don't know. I have a problem with the ankle when I was young, in 95. Uh, I, I broke my ankle. And, but I didn't have problems. But it's, it's more difficult for me to hit it like this with the right. But it's not difficult for me with the left. And with the left, it's like, you know, I can put my, my, my right foot down. Yeah. And, you know, swing the, with the left really strong. And the ball goes really... Yeah. I score... Two great goals I remember, and one in Brazil I scored one with the left, unbelievable. Another one against Spaniard with Athletic Madrid, and also one with uh, with Athletic Madrid against Barcelona. There were great goals with the left at thirty five. Uh, well, it's more four, forty yards away, or maybe I don't know. It's thirty five wow. meters away. Yeah,
2: Diego, I feel like we have kept you long enough, but the problem is. We've only got to age twenty-five in your career, and we've ran out of time.
3: <laughs> we have to do another one.
2: We could do three more hours. We could talk World Cups, Spain, Uruguay, Copa America. So much to talk about, but we we will try not and keep you for too much longer. And um, what we would like to ask, though, we always ask our guests for a recommendation for the future for a podcast. So, which one of your ex-United teammates would make a good interview?
3: And, oh, uh, let me see.
2: <laughs> You've done, Sebastian?
3: Sarah? Seba. No. Yeah, that would be great. I ah, have to. It's going to be tough. The thing is about the language.
2: Yeah, but that's OK, because you can come and translate like always.
3: <laughs> 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 I can that.
2: Do you still stay in touch with any of your teammates?
3: Well, I saw when it was great in, the, in Russia in 2018, I was in the hotel, uh, and uh, we were saying I was doing uh, working as a commentator for Telemundo from America, and we were our base was there in, in, in near the red square and when I was in the waiting for the lift, someone hit my head really hard. I was like, you know it was four o'clock in the afternoon. It was like a Sunday. And I was say "Who's going to hit me like this?" <laughs> And said, went back. It was Kim breaking. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant! And so then, in the same hotel, was Gigs, was Gary and Phil. Oh. So we we stay. We were there. We went to the. You know, many times we were in the in the gym all together working. You know, it was It was like remembering, you know, uh, a time <laughs> back in the, at Carrington. And then I was uh, I was always on the different sets, because it was on the Red Square, there was, you know, BBC and different ones, and it was real there. So, you know, I, I talk to him sometimes. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, gives uh, a lot of uh, messages, but sometimes I was with Phil. Now I can talk with, with Macy. Now I have Macy... His number. Online.
2: No <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's like sometimes they need something. You know, are they talking about a player here in South America? Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I'm not. I I, I don't like to to be you know uh, asking any favors. Uh, I know the privacy, but you know, like if I need something, of course, you know, it's uh, talking about a player or something's happening. Yeah, as well they they do uh, on the other side, like like they sometimes do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have really good relationship with Laurent. Mm-hmm. With Laurent, I speak uh, frequently. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, with uh, Robert Pires because he was in Villarreal with us. We, uh, we keep in touch with Mikel. We talk with Mikel as well. Yeah, yeah with Mikel uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you talk with him. That's nice.
2: You're a busy mom. Yeah.
3: You have many, many players, many friends. Yeah. It's good. Fantastic. Of
2: course. Thank you so so much for taking the time out to talk to us. We really really appreciate it, and it was absolutely brilliant to hear everything you had to say.
0: We'll have to do a part two, Diego. No problem.
3: Whenever, whenever <laughs> I have time now, I'm available. <laughs> yeah, but we're right, going to we're going to come out and see you whenever you, you can come here. We can play golf. Whatever, are you still playing golf?
2: Oh, don't tempt, amazing. Yes. Of course, every oh, yes. day.
3: <laughs> you play handicap? Yes, of course. Six. Six. Good. Very good. And you? I'm playing, well, I was playing, you know, the last, it's, now I'm going to start again. Now it's good weather. And uh, the last uh, time I played in uh, in Miami, what was the name? Uh, in Doral. In Doral. Doral, yeah. I played I play two handicap two. That, that, oh. that uh, bandido. 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 <laughs> 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 I'm very, you know, I'm very close friend with Sergio, with Garcia. Oh, right, Okay. You get lessons then? He's a great guy. Great guy. He likes playing tennis as well, football, and we, we have a good relationship and And it's great when you have the opportunity to play with those guys. Oh, oh wow. Are you watching the US Open? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to now go and, and watch the US Open, yeah. Fantastic. Great Amazing. stuff. Diego, thank you so
2: much. Thank you so much. Thanks
3: to you guys for the opportunity.
2: All the best to your family too.
0: Thanks, mate. Take care. Cheers, Diego. Bye-bye. So, welcome back. That was our chat with uh, Diego Forlan on the official Manchester United Golf podcast hosted by David May.
2: Mm -hmm. Sam, a little rendition. Go. You tried to get Diego to sing and he wouldn't sing.
0: He wouldn't sing. Diego, whoa, Whoa. Diego, whoa. He came from Uruguay. He made the Scousers cry. Repeat endlessly.
2: (laughs) What a tune. Not bad, Sam. (laughs) Thank you very much. What a lovely guy. As I said to him, We only got to the age of 25 in his career.
1: I know, yeah, I know. And looking at all our notes, we've got about another hour and a half.
2: He only retired two years ago.
1: Yeah. What's
0: great is he said he'd come back and do another one.
2: I know, he was absolutely brilliant.
0: Very good. Top lad. I think that was one of my favourite ones we've done because he, he he's clearly still so passionate about his time mm-hmm. at United, and he was so happy to talk about it. And sometimes you understand because people's lives move on and their careers move on, and maybe they don't want to open up in the same way. And, Every time we asked a question, his answers went on and on and on because he really seemed to be searching his feelings about his experiences and his times in Manchester. I mm-hmm. thought he was
1: amazing. Yeah, and you can, you can still see that he still loves the club. Yeah. You know, that, that goes down so well with United fans. And obviously the two goals he scored against Liverpool would be well known for that. But what, a, what an absolute belting lad. Mm-hmm. Great lad. Yeah, And he, he was like that when I was with him at the club. Such a lovable lad. So glad we've got him on, so glad we've got him on. I only like him more now.
2: Shall we read some emails? Yeah, why not? JP Mumley says, thank you for the great content. I listen to lots of podcasts and this one has bumped a few others out of the way to make time to listen. I sincerely enjoy seeing the real people behind the athlete in inverted commas. Job well done. I've been a fan of United as long as I can remember. As an American growing up in Kenya, it was the league my whole family followed. Now I live in the Pacific, Northwest United States and was listening to this podcast from beautiful, cannon beach in oregon oh. here are some photos thanks again
0: photos are beautiful thank you so much for listening jp beautiful we love a photo we do another one here from someone who sent some photos and they are stunning so this is uh, wow. diana govaneck and she says hi helen sam and Maisie. i listen to your podcasts in san pedro lalaguana guatemala One photo can't capture the beauty of this place, so I'm sending you seven in one. I'm not your only listener here. At least two of my United fan friends listen as well. You've created a really unique connection with United. Thank you. I love the laugh out loud stories, the deeper stuff about people's lives and the insights about life at United, as well as the banter between you guys and with the guests. Hope the podcast goes on forever. From San Pedro to you all with love, Diana. Diana, thank you so much. David May, how do you feel to know that someone is sitting in... Just unbelievable scenery in Guatemala.
1: Listening to your voice, Uh, I'm excited. I just need an invite out there as well. (laughs) Oh, looks well done, it there. Look at that. Yeah, that's why they listen to us, isn't? Why are you listening to us there? That's beautiful. Can I just say, I was in, I was in, um, I was in Costco today buying some stuff, and a guy actually, I know, so random, absolutely so random, and a guy came up to, and this, I had an actual face mask on as well so he he must just recognize my eyes off the podcast but (laughs) I know this is so and he went Maisie those podcasts are absolutely amazing I'm absolutely loving them and he went and got his bag of chicken nuggets and left I couldn't even say hey mate we're doing Diego tonight
2: but here Maisie it's gone that was in Manchester Sam just asked you about someone listening in Guatemala I know this is in Cusco
1: yeah no not not Cusco Costco. Costco. We're not in Peru.
2: Are you drunk?
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) No, I don't drink. Well, I did have seven bottles of wine in my trolley.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and thank you to Maisie's friend who approached him in Costco. Yeah, absolutely. With his chicken nuggets. Anybody who wants to approach David May at any stage to say how much they love the podcast, please do so. Thank you. So Maisie can tell us next week. Uh, Shanmuk Sripada says Hi Sam, Helen and David I am a big Manchester United fan from India I have been watching United since I was 6 or 7 years old It is my life stream to visit Old Trafford and watch United play I absolutely love your podcast interviews and I am always waiting for the next one As a football fan we don't really get to know much about the stories and banter that happens behind the scenes. This podcast helps me to learn more about the stories and childhood of so many Manchester United legends and also the history of the club. It really makes my week and puts a smile on my face. My favourite has to be the Patrice Everyone. one. Uh, I love everything about that man and he's a big inspiration to me. I am a portrait artist and I love to listen to the podcast while sketching up portraits of David Beckham, Fernandez, Van de Beek.
1: How good is that, by the way? Wow, They're amazing, those aren't they?
2: are incredible. I would really love it if you could have a look and maybe share it with them too. They're amazing. The Instagram name is Shanmuk, that's spelt S-H-A-N-M-U-K-H dot S-R-T. I-P-A-D-A.
1: They're incredible. Shamnook, make sure you do one of me now. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd love to see a
0: David May. They there you go. So, Bruno Fernandes is amazing. I will now be checking. I'm going to follow his Instagram until I see a picture of David May. That's what I will be doing. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: That's amazing.
2: Brilliant, thank you so much. Yeah. Incredible, incredible drawings. If our producer remembers, he will put your Instagram name in our show notes for everybody else to check them out. And I look forward to a David May one.
0: Absolutely. Can't wait for that. Sam. Got another one here from Nondo Makashi, who says, Hi guys, I'm Nondo from Zambia. Just wanted to let you know that the podcast has kept me sane during this COVID-19 pandemic. So keep it up and yes, we are listening from all over the globe. Uh, Nondo, thank you so much. Quick one. Can you confirm the photo I've attached did set say- Alex really and get him on the podcast cheers so obviously we want to get Alex on the podcast and what he's asking is he's attached a photo of something he's seen online it says 1st of the 12th 1987 Alex Ferguson makes his one and only appearance playing for Manchester United the game was a mid-season friendly versus Somerset Trojans at the Somerset Cricket Ground in Bermuda Fergie aged 45 came on for Peter Davenport with 21 minutes to go, United won the game 4-1. Well,
1: it, it does say. What does it say there? There's a picture
0: is there of, a, of it.
1: Was that Trojan? It must, be, yeah. Aye.
0: I've read before that he played a game, or at least appeared once, and probably just seen that picture.
2: 45, Maisie. Listen.
1: Yeah. Hey. Well, I'm 50 now, so you'd
2: make a comeback. Yeah. When you think Diego's only 41,
0: no To the best of our knowledge, that happened, and the, the, the picture is there. You can see it for yourself. No no, That's mint. Never underestimate Sir Alex.
2: Thank you for your emails. Once again, do keep sending them in. We do love reading them. That is it for another week. Thank you if you made it all the way to the end. Remember, if you want to get in touch, you can email us. Unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk. That address is in the notes for this episode if you need it. Also a reminder that you can watch the box set of all of our episodes of the United Podcast on MUTV with new episodes airing every Friday. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.